Loving the least, the sick. First of all, I forgot to mention it, but I will share just a happy 4th of July. The last time I preached, it was the day after Juneteenth. And today, um, the day we're broadcasting is actually the 4th of July. And so um, today is the day. It's Independence Day. Today is the day we celebrate America's Declaration of Independence. I asked my daughter, she's 12 years old, like, why is this Independence Day? What happened this day? Uh, so it's like, you know, they wrote something that said that they were independent they declared, you know, trying to get her to think of it. She's like, I forgot. It's like, you know, she's on summer brain. And so um, Declaration of Independence was signed July 4th, 1776. And we proclaimed that as our Independence Day. Of course, then the Revolutionary War would be fought until I think 1781, 83. I forget. I haven't taught that in a few years. But um yeah, and I think it's interesting. The proclamation came first, and then the actions to make it happen had to follow in line with the proclamation, the declaration. So that's you let that take that little capsule and let that preach to you. But um, we are celebrating uh, America's Declaration of Independence. We're celebrating the concept of independence um, as a nation, uh, and we individually and as a nation love that concept of independence. Um, on a personal level, we love the idea that you know. You can't tell me what to do in my house. I can do whatever I want to do. I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. You can I can choose whatever job I want. Um, I can choose to wear what I want. I can choose who to associate with, what to read. I have a freedom here that is not, it's not honestly, if we're real, really real about life, uh, it's not enjoyed everywhere. There are whole swaths of, of, of millions and hundreds of millions of people who are not allowed to consume information, um, who are not allowed to proclaim, um, you know, their desires or wishes or thoughts. Uh, we are in a unique nation. Um, you know, flaws and all, but we are in a very unique nation. There's not many of you that would trade your freedom and liberties and independence that you get to experience personally because of what this nation has um, proclaimed and experienced to go to some nation where you have, there's a state religion or they're let, making you choose between whether you can practice your religion or eat food, um, whether, you know, you can be arrested or beaten or removed from your home because of what you believe in. And if you disagree with the powers that be, you may just disappear. Like, we don't want none of that. Um, and so we enjoy this concept of independence, especially the way it plays out in America and, and the way it's increasingly played out is we are less and less communal uh, or the culture teaches it less and less. Um, and we, we're not to be necessarily as concerned about what other people are doing. Um, let them live their truth. We'll live our truth. Um, nobody wants to think what happens when your truth uh, and my truth uh, don't agree with each other or directly oppose each other. Um, but that's a very real issue that we're not going to get into today. But we overall love the concept of feeling like we are our own rulers. Independence. We make our own decisions about what we're going to do. It's a very human, it's a very natural concept, but there's a couple of challenges to it. I just want to throw out. And, and this idea, this absorption with independence can, number one, it, it, it allows us to be self-focused it allows us to be self-seeking. It really kind of just allows us to be selfish. 
If everything I need, I got, and I can do everything on my own because I'm independent. I don't need your oppressive thought process. I don't need you and yours and your ideas about how it should be done. It really just encourages me to think about me and only me and do me and, and kind of just turn the camera on me. Um, and the second thing, it's really a selfie way to think. Um, the second thing is, you know, the second challenge of the concept of us exercising independence is, well, what happens to us when we can't be independent? What happens to us when we need people? What happens to us when we need assistance? What happens to us when we need the government? Um, many of us have been into that um, that situation where or, or a situation or many situations where we have actually needed assistance in a formalized way. And it, true independence would get in the way of that. True, a system of true independence, a true individual independence, um, it would block us from receiving any aid or um, any, like if we were in a truly capitalist society, a fully capitalist society, there would be no help for anyone. It's survival of the fittest. It's win, lose, or draw. Um, either you win or you don't. Um, and I thank I thank God we don't live in that kind of that uh, kind of complete free market where anything goes and if you get stomped on you get stomped on. Um, while at the same time appreciating the opportunities that it does um, grant us, like all of us out here are trying to build for our families and accumulate some wealth and uh, you know so I'm not knocking any of that. I am you know we want to we want to believe and agree and support to the best of our abilities ethical wealth building um, but um, there's limits to all of this and the, the, one of the physical limits is what happens when we can't be independent anymore what happens when we absolutely require support and assistance um, in other words for the purpose of this message what happens if we get sick what happens if we get sick what happens if we get sick and by nature we are not able to exercise our independence in the way that we'd want to anymore? Um, we can't work the way we want to work. We can't associate the way we want to associate. We can't provide the way we want to provide because of sickness or illness or injury. What happens then? Um, you know, as I think about the way that we've approached COVID as a nation, um, you know, and not just COVID, but just life in general, uh, for many of us, sickness doesn't scare us. Sickness doesn't make us afraid. Uh, we don't think sickness or injury can happen to us. Uh, and I think that's when a sobering thing about the COVID pandemic is it has kind of chinked the armor of American exceptionality, of American individuality, like we don't depend on. And it doesn't matter how much you look on the tags of your shirts and your shoes and, you know, all this other stuff and see made in somewhere else. We still, for some reason, think that we can function all on our own because we're so exceptional and above and better than whatever, everybody else. But um I think COVID has, if anything, it's shown us, it should have shown us, should have shown us that we're not in this together. And just because we think that we are better than, more advanced than, whatever, doesn't mean that we are, that we are in the best position, doesn't mean that we're independent. I mean, the loss of life, the sickness, the post-COVID um, struggles that some people have still months later, um, dealing with loss of uh, function in different ways, um, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it could have been prevented if there was some healthy, reverent fear of the unknown. Like, whoa, this is 
out there. Like, let's all mask up. Let's all social distance. And we did it for a little bit um, in the grand scheme of things. But uh, there are so many of us out there that just are so unafraid of sickness that we can't even comprehend the need to think beyond independence, beyond us doing what we think is best for us because of we because what because it's what we want to do. You know, even if we get sick, right? Like many of us live in family units or near family. And so we know we've got people that can help us. We got some friends that can bring over some chicken noodle soup or whatever. We got family. Um, we've got our insurance. We've got coverage. We've got our doctors. Um, and so we, what, what happens or what ends up happening is we live in a situation in society where we trust our resources and we trust ourselves. Um, and so it really hinders the way we consider what we do and the way we proactively love um, as individuals and as a church body because of our involvement in ourselves. We want our messages to feed us for us, right? Nothing wrong with that, but you almost don't get love um, if the messages that are preached, you, you almost can't make it big unless your messages are resonating with somebody's prejudice or somebody's selfishness. And, and those are the people whose messages kind of blow up. Like if it's all about what you can do and everybody and you've been special and you were called to great things. And, it's like, and then that kind of message will blow you up. Or if you pinpoint the thing that somebody hates or something that people can rally against, then you also can you can get a platform. But it's rare. It's become it's become increasingly rare for us to embrace a platform or a preacher or a sermon when the call is not about what we can get, but about what we can give um, because we're self-centered naturally self-centered, supernaturally designed to uh, reflect focus up to the Lord and out to our neighbor. But uh, we don't often stay in that spiritual sense. And so we, we're so focused on ourselves. We, we, we just miss the question, you know, well, what about those who are sick? Maybe I'm not sick, but what about those who are sick? What about those that are the least of these? What about these brothers and sisters who can't do what you can do and aren't as able as you are able and aren't as mobile as you are mobile and aren't as young and spry as you are and aren't as invincible as you like? What about them? What happens to those in our community when they're sick? What happens to those without means, without coverage, without you know money when, when they're sick? The question is, does God have a plan for them? The answer is yes. It's us. <laughs> the plan is us. The plan is believers. The plan is the church, especially for brothers and sisters in Christ, especially for when our brothers and sisters in the faith are dealing with weakness and sickness. Uh, when you think about uh, Jesus saying, you know, you did it for me when you did it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. And then you look in the New Testament, how it speaks to the body of Christ being the people of God, the followers of Christ. He's saying that you did it for me because you did it when you did it for them. You treated, you nurtured, you cared for a part of my body. So you did it for me. 
And so we minister unto the Lord when we consider these different categories of the least of these, the, the ones who are poor and broken and hungry and thirsty and strangers needing clothes. Like when we're considering these people, the, the sick, the prisoner, when we're considering these in the body, we're doing exactly what Jesus is saying. He applauded. He was applauding the believers for judgment. And so that's kind of where we started. Like, does God have a plan for the, the least of these that, that are sick, that are not well, that can't function as well as they used to, that uh, maybe because of their age, maybe because of a condition, they've got an issue that keeps them in the hospital or makes it so they can't do what they used to do or, or they can't run all the errands they need to run. Like, do we honestly, sincerely have it in our hearts and minds and have it absorbed that, you know, the, the God's solution for them involves us. You know, we are anointed and assigned to care for the sick. Um, and not only do we have the anointing for it, Christ applauds us. He applauds us. Like it's, that's what's happening here. He's saying, yes, Good and faithful servant. Yes, you. Y'all come over here on this side. Let me get the reward for you that has been prepared for you since the beginning of creation. Because you did these things. You did these things for me. And when we're like, well, when did we do it? Because you did it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. You did it. You looked after the poor. I mean, excuse me. You looked after the sick. You looked after the sick. You know, overall, uh, sickness is dealt with kind of differently than it was in the past. Like we've got Mayo and Clinic and we've got Baptist North and we've got all these, you know, these huge um, hospitals. Back where, now, back where I'm from, it's like we had some, you know, huge central hospitals. We had the UNC hospitals, had Duke Hospital, we had Durham Regional, which is now Duke Regional. She had three main hospitals in the Durham Chapel Hill, um, Durham and Chapel Hill area, three main hospitals. She had some clinics here and there. She had three main hospitals. And, 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 you know, back, back, back in the day, you, you know, in these times, there were no large hospitals. I mean, much care was like a doctor being dispatched or a physician being dispatched to a home. And I mean, and that was how it was even in the United States and in many places before the Industrial Resolution, Resolution, Industrial Revolution made it possible for these larger, larger buildings to be built. Uh, and so what used to be a house call medical industry is now like, you know, you get brought in and you go to this large place and then you can have some outpatient and, and it depends on your benefits and what, you know, what will be paid for, what the deductible, deductible is and all of that stuff. Um, it's a much more complicated process. Um, it used to be, you know, and, and still kind of is that sick people would end up on the street, you know, blind beggars, right? But what's, what's wrong with them? Blind, can't see, can't do for self. Um, and so there's there's still that today people that are mentally ill physically ill that are out on the street um or in a home in a separate room or in the upper room or that physically mentally ill uh today we have these hospitals these medical center, centers etc cetera, etc cetera. so we may and 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 honestly I'm sure we have been tempted to leave care for and looking after the sick to the professionals and and, and God has provided 
for not only, you know, healing because Jesus healed and there's scripture about healing. And James chapter five talks about going to your elders and, and the elders praying a, a prayer for healing and then God honoring and, and bringing healing to people uh, because God is still a healer. And there's historical stories. If you I mean, there's there's examples right now. If you ask, there are people that will tell you, yes, I have been healed. But then in history, like there are historical accounts of believers being miraculously healed throughout centuries. And so we know that God is a healer, but there are people that are still in the midst of sickness. Still people that are in the midst of sickness. And so as they're in the midst of sickness, Jesus here applauds those that look after the sick. He's not applauding those that healed the sick here. He's applauding those that looked after the sick. And so the strategies may change for how sickness is dealt with in the society, but the outcome should be the same as it was in the first century and prior to that, as was Hebrew custom. Um, and that is that the sick are to be looked after. The sick are to be cared for. And that Greek word here um, that, is, that is in our NIV version, looked after, it has three meanings. It's three meanings. I'm going to give you those meanings as three S's, and then I'm going to kind of wind it up. All right. Three meanings. Three meanings. And I'm, I'm giving it to you as three S's. Okay. So that Greek word translated uh, is three S's. And so going back to the text, it says, um, I was sick and you looked after me. So I, it, I was sick and you... First S, I was sick and you selected me. Select. Um, select. Like you, as believers, um, we are being in, in the future, in eternity in the future. Like when we face judgment faithfully, um, the, when we live faithfully in anticipation of judgment, what God is, Christ is saying here is, I'm applauding you. I'm recognizing you because when you, when I was sick, you selected me. You intentioned, you you attuned your focus to search me out, to choose, to prioritize the sick, not to leave them by the wayside, not to ignore them, not to put them on the back burner. But as a spiritual priority, we select the sick. We select the weak. We select the fragile. We select the lame. We select the impaired. We select them. As the church, we, as the church, select them. And so the first S is select. But the second, another meaning that was included in the definition when I was looking this up, looking this up in um, the Strong's definition, I think the other is Thayer, maybe, um, where you're looking up the Greek and it gives you a definition. And, and the second piece of this was select and then it was C. And so I was sick and you saw me see so when it comes to the sick what the church is supposed to do is take notice of their circumstances and visit go see them not just oh man that's terrible not just oh shoot maybe if we can get them here um, but taking a proactive outreach, reach out stance and saying, no, we're going to go. We've got a brother and sister sick in the hospital. We find out about it. OK, let's go. Uh, we got somebody who's, you know, this is dear to me for two reasons. Like one, like there have been seasons where I've been really bad at this. And there have been seasons where I've been really good at this. Like assist. I remember a sister like going to the hospital or going to a doctor's appointment to, you know, go check and see if their fibroids were, were going to be a problem, you know, that were going to require further action. And, and I just went and sat 
And the doctor, I went to the doctor's appointment with her and just sat. Just sat. I couldn't go in, went in and just sat. This was years ago. Uh, I remember hospital visits. I remember um, when I was a training minister you know, in the missionary Baptist denomination and on Sunday, communion Sundays, this next Sunday, going out and giving communion to some of the sick and elderly who couldn't do for themselves anymore and, and giving communion, praying. And I remember one older lady like just couldn't get out of her mind that I reminded her of her husband. And, and these kind of things, like I've, this has happened over and over, like visits in the hospital, praying with people in the hospital. These are things that have happened in my past. And then there's times where there have been people that you see something happening to, and especially with social media, you can get overwhelmed and, and you just don't have a response. And I haven't had a response. And, and there have been, there have been those times too. And so it's dear to me because it's like, good Lord, like these people are, are valuable to you, Lord. And, and I know I, I could say something. I know it doesn't take much to, to choose to notice them, to choose to let them know that they're seen, to let them know that they're valued, to let them know that they're cared for. Um, but we, we, we as a body, not just me as a person, me as a person got to work on it. You as a person got to work on a perspective, but we as a people, um, Got to get beyond the social media version of care, <laughs> you know, where we just hit the care icon on Facebook for those of us on Facebook. But we got to get to the point where we actually are reaching out again, seeing people, visiting people. And the third one is support. Select, see, support. You talk about when I was sick, you looked after me. The definition states, it calls it relief. They relieved them. And so when we when we when we go see people that are sick and we go and, and we as a church take on a, a mission to deal with, to support the sick, then we we pray for them we and we provide for their needs. And so somebody is sick and they need a meal, let's get them a meal. You know, I've, we've done this within the church, within our church family. Some of you have done it um, within the church family, you know, I, and, and this type of thing happens, you know, if you're sick, you know, you can't go out. Make sure that they got food, you know, they're sick and they feel like they're contagious. Well, okay, I can't visit you, but I can, you know, what are they, DoorDash or Uber Eats? I can make sure that you eating. Um, I can drop off a plate if we live close enough. Like some, Jacksonville is spread out. So some of our church family were super spread out. Like it'd take an hour, you know, and work days. And there's so there's reason for challenges. But there's also a, a call for us to come together and work to support in a tangible way, those of us that are sick. And I'm not talking about it as like a, a church line item and a budget item. I'm talking about we as believers, as the body of Christ, we know that somebody is dealing. We know that somebody's struggling um, because they let us know because it's got to be, bear, you know, bear each other's burdens, allowing, uh, like uh, Galatians teaches, bear each other's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Like that's got to happen. You got, we got to know. And then once we know, then we got to go. We got to do something for each other. Uh, we got to pray for, pray with such a power. And I was convicted over on this uh, during my break. There's so many times where somebody will say something and it's like, oh, yeah, we need prayer for so-and-so. When can we pray? When can we pray? Like, yeah, sure, I'll pray, but when can we pray? When can I provide you that spiritual relief that you know that somebody else is praying with you because they did it with you on the phone, face-to-face, -face, whether it's face-to-face -face in person or face-to-face -face in a Zoom or whatever. Like, we got to get more proactive in loving each other and our points of weakness and allowing ourselves to be loved in our points of weakness. You know, so when that Greek word, 
and and it's a long word, so that's why I didn't want to deal with it. Um, but when when we talk about looking after the sick, and Jesus is speaking about looking after the sick here, what he's talking about is select them, see them, and support them. Just like the Lord leans in for us, like let us do the same thing for the sick. Let us do the same thing for them. Like God has leaned in for us. He's been with us. He's supported us. He's blessed us. He's loved us when we've been sick. He's loved us when we've been, when we haven't been well. He's loved us when our heart has been hurting and broken. He's loved us when we haven't had enough and, and he's protected us and provided for us and sent people for our benefit. In the same way, God should be able to trust that we won't just be so independent that we can't hear from him. We won't be just so independent that we can't um, intermingle our needs and be interdependent with others. We, we not worried about with the world, the way the world is doing it. What we want to be is this continuous interchange of community among the Lord, communion with the Lord and communion with this people. And, and all of the people belong to the Lord. Even if they don't claim him, they all belong to him. And so we're we, we are coming together to support each other. And we are coming together as a body to support those who are sick in our community. Let's just continue to seek out ways. Um, we can't do everything. We're a small church. We're growing spiritually and we'll be growing numerically when we start meeting together again. So I know we can't do everything, but I, I want us to be confident that our hearts are in the right place. You know, closing out, we finished our challenge last week, a three week challenge for prayer and fasting. Did you finish it? Did you finish it? It was a challenge. Um, but God did send three specific takeaways from the three weeks of praying and fasting for me to share with you. Um, and I want to share those. Like the first one is based in this message and the other two are kind of more life thoughts and, and we'll close out. This will be a short service today. Um, the first one dealing with sickness um, and sickness, there's a reality of healing and there's a reality of dealing. And while we absolutely trust that God is a healer, and I absolutely believe what James 5 teaches about if you, uh, you know, we as elders anointing with oil, praying in faith and God healing the sick and forgiving your sins. I absolutely agree with the spiritual and physical component, the physical, the spiritual forgiveness and the physical healing. I absolutely believe it. I believe. I believe that the Lord can heal through me. I believe he has healed through me, both spiritually and practically and physically. I believe he has healed me. Uh, and so I believe that not just me, but our elders, the elders we are under, the elders that we are developing. I believe that um, the elders that we will develop. I believe that healing still happens today on, in a supernatural, miraculous way. I believe it. In the meantime, though, I absolutely believe that Jesus is calling on us and applauding us and celebrating us as we deal with the sick. They're not healed yet. They're struggling. They're wrestling. They're dealing. And as we deal with them, as we as we minister to them, as we serve them, as we support them amongst ourselves and in our community, I believe God is pleased. And it's a joy and honor to do something that we know God is smiling on. So in sickness, there's a reality of healing and a reality of dealing. In faith, God won't make a way until we make a move. The Bible teaches us to ask, to seek, to knock. Those are moves. 
The Bible teaches us to walk by faith and not by sight. That, that's a move. Um, the Bible teaches us over and over again um, to act based on the knowledge, live by faith, live based on our conviction of what God is going to do, live based on a, a belief in the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, live that way. Not posture, not position, not pontificate, but live like that. And so many of us, me included, have um, put lids on our own destinies and lids on our own desires by getting too caught up in the in the what if game or in the thought game or what while we're not doing anything that actually requires faith. And if we're not doing anything that requires faith, that requires us to step into the unknown, that requires us to step beyond our comfort zone, then why does God need to show up for us to function in the natural? God does not need to show up for us to function in the natural. He's already set up the natural systems. Them things is going. If we want God to interrupt the natural, to bring supernatural anointing on a situation, on a cause, on a person, on a goal, on a direction, then we got to make a move by faith. That We got to move in a way that shows our belief is in him. Our trust is in him. And it's not just in the natural systems and processes that take place in this world. The second thing, the third thing, final thing that God shared with me as a result of going through this fast uh, is that in life, we don't have time to wait or waste. It's not a call to rush or burn out because Lord knows too many of us are already burnt out. It is a call to understand this. God has laid out his purpose and his priorities for our lives. These are not mysteries. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. But that's it. That's the purpose. And his priority, again, up and out. Love him, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and so what we do often is we complicate things by trying to add in or negotiate or relitigate what God has said. But it's pretty plain that our focus should be to put ourselves in a perspective so that love is the motivator, loving up and loving out. And so we don't have time to wait or waste. We, we don't have time to wait on God for a word he's already given us. We're just wasting time that we don't have. And so some of us are paralyzed waiting to hit that, get that clarity before you take a step forward. I want to I want to um, just speak to you and share that we discover the plan and the provision as we walk by faith. There are some things that will not be revealed to you unless you are moving by faith in those things. What reason does God have to show you where provision is going to come from if you don't need it because you haven't started yet? You don't need it. You haven't started yet. You're going to need it when you start. So when you start... In the purpose and the calling and the priority of God, then the plan will make itself known. Then the provision will reveal itself. Uh, we have everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. So if I have everything I need, this is me talking to me, me talking to you. If I have everything I need, I just need to go. I just need to do. I just need to be. And so those are three things that have been revealed to me as we fasted and I pray 
um, that you receive them and that we receive them, that we come together as a mighty force for the Lord and, and do a work. But more than doing a work, I want us to be a body that reflects his true heart and nature to the world around us. Um, and so we're going to close out next week with uh, the prisoners. Um, and then we'll be shifting to a new series uh, to kind of bridge the gap between July and August. Uh, that'll probably be three or four weeks. Uh, and it'll focus on how to have a healthy love of yourself, a healthy love, because the Bible teaches love your neighbor as yourself. If that love of yourself isn't healthy, then you can't love others in a healthy way. Um, and so I want us to have a healthy love of self. Uh, and so that's the next series starting uh, the third, like, like I said, bridging the gap, the third Sunday of July through like the first or second Sunday of August. Then got a whole other one as school gets back in and people's work schedules uh, return to normal with families, kids going back to school, families going back to school, all that. All right. So let's pray. Um, once again. My heart and my mind are fixed on this project. Um, I know we're celebrating Independence Day, but this project is very important to me um, and our church, this project of this renovation. Uh, and so if you want to give tinyurl.com slash buildhd, I'm going to be praying for that. I'm going to be praying for you. Uh, and let's do it. Lord God, I want to thank you right now for your heart for us, your love, your strength, your power, your compassion. Lord, I thank you that you are who you are. Um, there is no other God. Um, no other lowercase God, no other competitor God. There's just you. And I thank you for your creation. I thank you for our place in it. I thank you for your forgiveness, your patience, and your mercy. For Lord, you know um, how many times we have forsaken your path. Lord, you, you know how many times we've forsaken your people. Lord, we, you know how often we've gone for the people who's, um, who are more attractive to us socially rather than um, taking time out and um, prioritizing the needs of those who would be considered the least of these. And so I pray right now for your blessing. I pray right now for your love. I pray right now for your mercy, your hope, and your wisdom. I pray you would anoint us freshly, Lord. Anoint our, our hearts and our minds to come together in agreement to be those who will receive praise from you for loving you, for serving you by serving the least of these brothers and sisters of yours. In addition, I pray that you will bless this effort, Lord, to raise funds for this building, Lord. I pray that it kicks in the high gear and that people are donating that we've never even met, Lord, that um, every one of our networks would con contribute and that we would see the fruition of this and this fall we would be able to meet in our church. Begin meeting in our church and begin using it that facility, Lord, is a beacon of light in the Arlington community. We just glorify you right now for the reality of that coming to play, coming to pass. In Jesus' name, amen.